is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Freedom to Choose. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. Susan, for those who may be tuning in for the first time, what are we here for? Well, this week we're here to talk about um, our addictions and acknowledging and admitting them and then turning to God for the power that we need to break free from them, whatever the addiction may be, whether it's a substance addiction or a um, behavioral addiction. Wonderful. This series, Course Freedom to Choose, is specifically designed to give hope and help to anyone out there who needs it. Susan, could you please open this program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day of life. We pray that you will send your spirit to to be with us and to be with every person out there that's listening, Lord, that they would hear what they need to um, help them to see that there is a new way of life to live and that you're the one that provides the power and the freedom to choose. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. And um, once again, I'd like to begin today's program by telling a story. My wife, Susan, and I live on 10 acres out in the country, and it's a beautiful piece of property. We don't deserve it, but the Lord has blessed us with it. And my father passed away in 07, and uh, he had the big house up on the hill, and we put a little house on the property just down below. And so we cleaned the house up, and we rented it out to a wonderful family, a pastor and his wife and four kids, and uh, they don't complain much, but every once in a while, the well will, it. we don't have that good of a well there, and so you, when you don't have a real good well, you put that well pump down as low as you can, as close to the, close to the bottom as well as you can, and so that's where that submersible pump is, and, and, uh, and so every every once in a while it'll pick something will fall in there and it'll pick up some dirt and stuff and it'll kind of clog things up and it'll clog up the the washer the, the screen washer and the uh, washing machine and stuff like that. So what I had to do was I put an inline filter in it and over in the pump house and it's a big canister. You might have seen them at Home Depot. They're kind of awkward, but it, so I plumbed it in there and it's back in the corner of the well house and it's really hard to get to and so one day I got a phone call from uh, her name she's got a really neat name her name is Luminitsa so one day I got a phone call from Luminitsa and she uh, she says hey uh, you know what the filters plugged again can you come and change it and so I said sure and so I went up there and I attempted to change it now it has a little rubber gasket on it and and sometimes I don't lube that little rubber gasket up. And so I went to change it, and I couldn't. And it's about a six-inch round canister. And so I tugged on it and tugged on it. I couldn't get it to break loose. So I got a little breaker bar for my wrench. And it's got a, it came with a plastic wrench that, uh, that you put on it. And I popped it a little harder. In fact, I popped it so hard that I bruised the palm of my hand. And uh, so then uh, it still wouldn't break loose. 
So I had a friend out there, his name's Juan, and he's a he's a big man, you know, he's a strong man. And so he comes over and we put a little bit bigger of a breaker bar in it and we snapped the wrench. So then we had to go into Home Depot and get another wrench and come back out and put it on and we beat on it and we banged on it and we pulled on it and we could not break that filter free. And so I said, you know what, you're going to have to just wait till tomorrow and we'll try it again. Uh, I may have to buy a new filter and just replumb one in. And so that night, laying in bed, I got an impression. I want to say a still small voice saying, your hand hurts really bad, doesn't it? And I said, yes, Lord, it does. And he says, it ought to. You've been beating on that filter and you've been turning it the wrong way. And I went, oh, my Lord. And that's what was going on. I was, and it didn't matter how hard I beat on that thing, I was going the wrong way. And that's kind of the lesson in the story in recovery. You can try many ways, but there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And God is the right way. And I don't care what you do. If you go about your recovery the wrong way, you will beat yourself up. You will bruise yourself, but it will not work. And I don't care how much how many big men you bring around to help. I don't care what help you get, how many breaker bars. If you're going about it the wrong way, it will not work. Now, it's really humbling and hard to admit when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And acknowledging and admitting when we're wrong is difficult. Susan, when did you realize that you were going about things the wrong way? Maybe it was the last time that I ended up in jail. Maybe that was it, the last time? <laughs> the last time, yeah. Okay. How many times had you gone to jail? Several times. Several, but right. we're not going to... We don't need to rehash that. Can we? you count it on one hand? Yes. Okay, you can count it on one hand. Yes. Okay, let me ask you another question. Have you ever told a lie? You know, um, I was like a professional liar. I told anything that came out of my mouth was a lie. If you heard the first, one of the first couple of programs, I talk about my past and how um, I was sexually um, abused and molested for so long that I didn't want anybody to know the truth about me. So I purposely lied about everything so that I could hide what, the shame and everything that was going on. So yeah, I lied. You lied all the time. I lied all the time. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today on today's program. We're going to define what truth and lies are and what their relationship to communication is and why this aspect of communicating with ourselves and with others is so important in addiction recovery. I don't know if we, we realize it, but we actually communicate with ourselves far more than we communicate with others. The communication network in our mind is really complex. Messages get transmitted like in physical sensations, visual images, and by thought patterns. And, you know, for instance, when I think of Susan, when I'm away from her, I get an image. It's kind of like on a plate. It's, but in, if I think she's mad, then I get a mad Susan on that plate. <laughs> if I think she's sad, it, I get a sad Susan on that plate. If I think she's busy, I get a working Susan on that plate. It's, it's, but that's how our mind is. And it's really kind of neat. We, so we have thoughts, we have physical sensations, we have images. I want to talk about thought patterns, though, today. It's these thought patterns that we need to address when we're talking about truth and lies. Now, as we mentioned earlier, that in an earlier program, scientists have discovered that when what we think actually changes the chemical composition of our brain cells and actually the rest of our central nervous system. In other words, 
if we are continually thinking angry thoughts, we are teaching our brain to become an angry brain. If we choose to dwell on the violence, our brain will become a violent thinking brain and we will act violent. Now, I myself had taught my brain to become a drug-dependent brain. This is why what we tell ourselves is so important. I told myself I could not live without drugs. So I became drug-dependent based on two things, a physical addiction plus what I told myself. Right. So I was 100% all in on my addiction. Right. It, and for me, it was um, I had to feel and be somebody who I who other than who I really was. And the drugs were the avenue to get me there. And so you told yourself that the drugs get you where you need to be. So that I could survive. Therefore, you believed that lie. Because did the drugs get you where you needed to be? They did temporarily. Correct. But not long term. Correct. What happened when the drugs ran out? Right. There you were. Right. Same person, worse shape than before. Right. And and then we were convinced that we couldn't live without them. That's what happened. See, if we tell ourselves lies, we will believe lies. So it's important that we define very clearly what truth and lies are and what their roles are in communicating with ourselves and with others. So if we are continually thinking angry thoughts, once again, what are we teaching our brain to become? To become an angry brain. If we're t- thinking jealous thoughts... We teach our brain to become? Jealous. What about cruel thoughts? Then we'll be cruel. What about violent thoughts? Violence follows. Sad thoughts? We can be very sad and depressed. Sure. You see, so what we think, once again, is so important. Let's look now at a dictionary definition of truth and then a biblical one, because I like to compare them and I... and I like to analyze things that we're talking about so that, uh, so that we're on the same page when we talk about the key components of the discussion. Truth is something that corresponds to fact or reality. And, of course, if you believe the Bible is fact, as Susan as I, and I do, then Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. I accept the Bible as fact and reality. Therefore, it is truth to me. That's right. Regardless of how I feel exactly. or what I think, we rely totally on the Word of God. Exactly. When God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then I believe. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens okay. me. And then you know what he says? He says, look back and see where I have brought you from. This is what I'm talking about, about doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I didn't quit all the bad behavior all at once. Right. I quit doing meth- methamphetamine, and then about a year later, as I'm witnessing to everyone with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth, it came to me that, you know what, I need to stop smoking. And then about a year later after that, as I'm swearing up a storm, it came to me, I've been witnessing for God for two years, and I have got a very foul mouth. That was a behavioral addiction that took me about two years to clean up. You see, so, so I have a question. At what point were you a child of God? At what point was I a child right. of God? I really would think all the way through. That's right. Living up to the light that God had shown me. That's right. See, James Garfield once said this, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. And sometimes the realization of some of the stuff, the shenanigans that we do, and the realization of, of what we do hits us, and we say, no, no, not that, Lord. I don't want to stop that. But... That's the way it is. 
Now, by knowing what truth is, we can identify an honest person. Do you like to hang around honest people? I do now. You do now? I do Did now. You? <laughs> okay, and we can also recognize very easily, Susan's got really good street smarts, but we can tell when somebody's pulling a stunt or lying or something because we were both very good at that. Right. Okay, so honesty, of course, is the quality or the condition of, or characteristic of being fair, truthful, morally upright. You know, you you really like hanging around someone that is like that. Mm-hmm. We have a friend in our life, Dr. Douglas. We love hanging around him. He knows the Bible in and out. He's written many books, and it's just a pleasure to be around him because you know you're getting a fair shake. You know you're getting the truth. You know that if you come to ask him a question, that he will answer, answer it as truthful and as honest as anyone that I know. Mm-hmm. And it's really a pleasure to be around someone like that. You have confidence in an honest person, but you have to know what truth is to know what honesty is. You can't, you can't tell what a counterfeit $20 bill looks like by studying all the counterfeits. There's millions of them. You study the original, and when you know what the original looks like, then as soon as a counterfeit shows up, you can identify it. It's the same way with truth and lies. If you know what truth is— You can identify it. You know an honest person, and when a lie shows up, you will be able to identify that lie. So what is a lie? A lie is a false statement made deliberately, or it's to say something that's not true in a conscious effort to deceive someone. That's what a lie is. Lies are bad for many different reasons. Lies hurt. They upset. They confuse. They cause division. And, of course, the end result of lies is always shame for someone. One of the worst things that we can do to ourselves is to tell ourselves lies, and we do it. I don't know if you realize it, but we do lie to ourselves. You know, like if we tell ourselves we're worthless or that we hate ourselves or we don't need help, uh, we're lying to ourselves. Right. Um, we got to be careful of, and, and this is what's really damaging to the brain, is categorical, all-inclusive statements like, I'll never amount to anything. That does damage. I'm a failure at everything I do, at everything I do. Right. No one is a failure at everything they do. I mean— I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. right. Well, you're breathing. See? I mean, no, you're not a failure at everything you do. So, no, but these categorical statements are very dangerous because they influence the way we think about ourselves. Okay? And, of course, last but not least is the lie that gets us all into trouble, and that is just, just this once. <laughs> Now, there's two main reasons why we lie to ourselves. The first reason, sort of a defense mechanism. Now, follow me here. It's to lower our expectations of ourselves. This gives us an excuse not to try and allows failure to become acceptable to us. You see, if we lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves that we're worthless, that we're no good, that we do bad things, that we're never going to amount to anything, this gives us an excuse that when we fail— well, I never was going to amount to anything anyway. Right. We lower our expectations of ourselves, and therefore, it's okay to do bad things right. because that's what we were supposed to do anyway. Right. We validate. Validate our and So lying to ourselves is very dangerous. The second reason, and one of the biggest lies that an addict will tell himself, is that he's not an addict. If he says he's not an addict, then he feels that there's no reason to ask for help. This is very dangerous. You can't help anyone 
that doesn't need help. And of course, that's the next lie. I don't need any help. That naturally follows. If he doesn't think he has needs help, then he will tell you he doesn't need help, and you can't help someone that believes he doesn't need help because they won't allow you to help them. You ever tried to help someone and they wouldn't allow you to help them? I mean, even like changing a flat tire or something out in the road? No, 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 I got it, I got it, and they don't even have a jack. And you say, well, here, let me at least give you a jack. No, no, I got it, and you end up driving off, and, you know, it's kind of frustrating. But someone that won't allow you to help them, you cannot help them. Now, remember, as we learned earlier now, if we tell ourselves lies, we will believe lies, and that's how we turn our brains into lying brains. Let's review real quick what are some of the lies we might tell ourselves, and are you telling yourself any of these lies? I'm worthless. I'll never amount to anything. I hate myself. I'm a failure at every... I don't think... You don't hate yourself. I don't think you hate yourself, but we will tell ourselves that. I'm a failure at everything I do. That's a categorical statement. How about I'm not an addict? I don't need help or just this once. Those are very dangerous things that we tell each other, ourselves, and, and they can get us into trouble. And Ann Landers once said, and I like this quote, that the naked truth is always better than the best dressed lie. So I needed to, for myself, I needed to ask myself, was I ready to be honest about my condition and my behavior? Was I really ready to be honest about it? Because I looked, my life was a speedboat going through a five mile an hour zone, leaving a wake of destruction everywhere I went. And, you know, if I chose to dwell on that, I'd get in real pickle, but I needed to be honest about my behavior. And I could have to want to continually on a, on a daily basis, be honest about my behavior because I still have some serious behavioral addictions. and But all I know is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what I hold on to. That's right. And as we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and not even not just forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. So as we go to him on a daily basis, we ask for forgiveness. We ask for a new heart. We ask for a change in direction so that we do things differently the next time. But first, we have to admit that we're doing that's things right. wrong. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Once we humans. admit, then we're open, the door is open for help. Right. You know, and we saw that Jesus really had a hard time healing those Pharisees because they, they had nothing wrong with them. Right. And he says that the, they don't need a physician. They, they don't have nothing wrong. They don't think they have anything wrong with them. Now, destiny is not a matter of chance, but a matter of choice. What does that mean? It means that God opens doors for us, but we still must choose to walk through. And I can remember one of the b- biggest milestones in my life was, you know, when I, when I got clean and sober, I could no longer read. I could read the words, but I could not comprehend what the words said. And Susan had to sit down and read the Bible to me. And this was, uh, you know, I get so frustrated. I would read those words and I'd say, I don't know what they mean. I just can't, you know, I could still read plans and things like that because I had read them all the way through my addictions. I could still build things, but I was really fried as far as reading and comprehending and those skills. Well, I was also falling, I, I, we, we got baptized in the year 2000 and I was falling asleep at church and the pastor said, well, the reason you're falling asleep is you're not busy in church. You need to teach a class. I'm thinking, I can't read. So God opened the door. I stepped out in faith, and lo and behold, it's one of the biggest steps that I've ever made. But see, it was a choice I had to make. 
I knew it was the right thing to do. I felt like it was the wrong thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. So I stepped out in faith and I stumbled my way through it and things got better. What's and the better. saying? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips, equips the, the called. called. That's right. <laughs> and you know, he's calling each and every one of us to um, to have freedom in our lives. And uh, whether we're struggling with the substance or, or um, a behavioral addiction, he wants us to have that freedom. Now, did you know that an addiction, in a sense, can actually take away our power of a choice? In other words, the substance or behavior that we're addicted to forces its demands on us and causes us to be a slave to whatever we've given ourselves over to. It overrules, and in a sense, our power of choice. In other words, we can give ourselves over to any kind of behavior or any kind of substance if we choose. And once we do that, that takes away our power of choice. I mean, this analogy does make sense to some people, some people it doesn't. But when a smoker goes up to buy a pack of cigarettes, who told him to buy the who told him to buy the cigarettes? That little cigarette has told him to go up and buy those cigarettes. And so he is being controlled, driven by that addiction. So many times we tell ourselves that we want to be free to use a certain substance or to engage in a certain behavior, but our freedom is lost when that certain substance or behavior tells us when and where to engage in it. And God wants us to recover the ability to, to make think, to think, think straight, straight as well as to make good choices. Now, last week we mentioned is there addiction is there a difference between an addiction and just a bad habit? And there is. An addiction naturally, of course, is a is a habit that controls you. You don't control it. And but it is also a mechanism by which we avoid pain. And that's why addictions are so hard to break. So a bad habit, of course, I mean, a bad habit that you're not, let's say something like smacking your lips when you eat. That's just a nasty bad habit, right? But but it's not there to avoid pain. And so a bad habit and an addiction, there, there is a difference between the two. So you may have some bad habits. You may not even be aware of them. But your addiction, of course, is something that you feel you need that you don't. And and we'll talk about like, want, and need in another program. Right. And so as we go through these weekly programs, what we want to do is we want to help people to learn how they can change their lives. That's right. Remember, an addiction is a habit that controls you. You don't control it. Now, last week as we ended our program, we were talking about some things that would actually help us to change our life. I think we just fit it in at the very end of the program. And there, I think there were three things that we want to suggest people that they would do if they want to start changing. Now, why do we want to suggest these things? Because we found in our own experience that um, as you get healthier, then you're able to make better choices. Right. And And you feel better. You feel better. You know what? You cannot... You don't have a desire to do good things if you don't feel good. Right. And remember, Jesus went around healing and preaching, but he went around healing so that people would feel good and enough to follow him. You right. know what I'm saying? So we want, we want to feel better. We want to get healed so that we can make right choices. Now, so what, are we gonna, what did we tell him last week to do? What was our instructions we, for our to, weekly exercise? To drink plenty of water to walk 45 minutes at least once a day, and to start journaling. Okay, now why would we journal? You get to put down all of your thoughts and uh, maybe to be able to look back and see how far you've come, and just to be able to express to God what, what the things that you're struggling with. Okay, do you, why, do, why do we drink the water? 
the water is to hydrate our body. Our body is made up of water, and so we need that water to lubricate all of our <laughs> our muscles and our brain and our organs, so that we can feel top notch. So, does your brain uh, does your brain use the water? To make the electrical connections, it I does. Mean, if you're dehydrated, are you sluggish we, in the brain also, we, as it, well as right? And we want to be running on all eight cylinders. We need every break that we can get. That's don't it. we? Um, and, and the exercise is good because it gets oxygen into our body, it gets our body moving, and we just start to feel better. And you get all your organs clean, all your blood, and you feel invigorated, and you feel better, and then you feel like following the Lord. Not only, not only do you know you should. But you actually feel like following the Lord, and you're capable of doing that. And you that. can make the ability, and you can make that choice to actually do the right thing. Yeah, God wants us to be healed both physically and mentally so that we can recover the ability to think straight. Right, so if you would like to get some more information, we'd like you to go to our website. It's www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.